Welcome to Return to Ease, the show where we talk about different ways to live with more intention. Each week, we will discuss different ways to learn how to nourish our mind, body, and soul. I'm your host, Rachel Pecora. I'm a licensed massage therapist and a John F. Barnes-trained myofascial release therapist. I am passionate about living an authentic life and want to help you return to ease. Welcome back to another episode of Return to Ease. Today, we have a special guest, Dr. Isabel Amig with us. She is a stage four breast cancer survivor and a rheumatologist that has said no to the status quo on how healthcare has been offered in this country. She has now opened the first direct care rheumatology practice in Colorado, and she also hosts the podcast Unabridged MD, where she talks health and mindset. So welcome to the show, Isabel. Thank you so much for having me. I am so excited. (laughs) Thank you for joining. So I'm excited to talk with you. So I'm excited to hear about your your practice in Colorado and a little bit of your backstory and the type of people that you work with. And I think that um, you'll have a lot of great information to offer to my audience. So welcome. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I would love it. Uh, I think, you know, hearing you when you said, uh, which is something that I wrote, uh, when you're not happy with something, you have to be the change that you want to see. And that's how I see myself. I'm like, you know, I've I've went through stage four cancer. That was a pretty big wake up call. That was also super kind in the sense of it allowed me to, to make choices, to really see my life as I have the choice and I have the choice to make it better or to just feel sorry for myself or to make it better. And in the process of making it better for me, I just felt, well, I'm not alone and I can only be good and feel good if the people around me are also good and feel good. Like I'm the first person that I have to work on But then the second person are the people around me. And so that's why I created an Abridge MD. It was first a podcast, a community, uh, because we we have monthly meetings. And then I just decided to create a practice uh, that's really putting the patients first in the middle and and having the time with the patient. Because I really believe in the healing effect of the patients and their physicians relationship. Yeah. yeah, that's beautiful. So you had your podcast before you started your practice. Yeah. It kind of bridged you into your, your practice. That's wonderful. Great. Yeah. yeah, You're doing a lot of good things out there. So maybe you could tell us a little bit of your background story of um, your breast cancer, if you would share with that and how that kind absolutely. of back to where yeah. you are. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's a, it's a beautiful story, really. I mean, even, <laughs> even when I was going through it, I was like, man, this is pretty cool. <laughs> it's, it's really wonderful when you can look at your own cancer and be like, all right, this is a very, very important moment of my life. And it's kind. It's, it changed my mindset. So let me, let me share my story. So I moved from France and the accent, right? I moved from France because of love uh, with probably the smartest, kindest doctor I've ever met. So I met him in India uh, and I completely got smitten by how smart he was, how kind he was. And so I decided to move to the US when he moved himself to the US. And so I moved to the US, but 
I wasn't ready for how violent medical, the medical system was in the US. And I'm gonna share this with you because it is violent. The way that we treat medical students, the way that we treat resident interns is awful. And why is it awful? It's because patients are considered as client. And we forget that the relationship is a healing relationship. We forget that to really heal, you have to have a mutual consent, a mutual understanding and love between the physician and the uh, the, um, the patient. And I wasn't ready for this. Like I, I, I had finished my own residency in France. I was a rheumatologist and then I moved to the US and I had to repeat the residency and internship was hard uh, because suddenly my patients were not mine. Like I would establish a relationship and then five days later, your patient is going to another ward or you're going to another ward. And I was like, how do I create a long lasting relationship with my patients? So in France, and it's not ideal either that, you know, that there are things that you, we have to change in France too. But in France, I felt that I was in a service for six months and then I would change and a service for six months and then I would change. And even those six months, they allowed me to have a personal connection with my patients. And so then what happened is that I'm in the U.S., and my patients did not trust me. And it took me a little bit of time to realize that that's what I felt when I was coming home and I was trying everything for my patients. I realized that they did not trust me. But how can you trust someone that you're just seeing that's considered a resident or an intern or, you know, whatnot? Like, I would not trust them either. I mean, I think I would. But, like, you know, I like if I were in the shoes of my patients, like, why? Like, you know, I have a French accent. Maybe I don't understand everything that they're saying. Uh, and so it, it like, that was the first, you know, thing that was really hard, the first trauma for me. And then, uh, I finally finished my residency. I did my second rheumatology fellowship at Columbia university. And I moved to Denver cause I love mountains. I love climbing. I love ski. I love everything mountains. And there I finally had the job, like the perfect job. And I had wonderful colleagues. I was trying to do some research but what hit me is this idea of this is it. I've arrived. Like, that's it. That Like, there's nothing more. But there is always something more. And I didn't realize it. And um, I, I wasn't fulfilled in my relationship with my kids. Uh, uh, it, it, uh, my, like, I had given birth three years earlier before my cancer. And they were very preemie. They had a full trimester. They were a full trimester early. So I think that was my second trauma. And that was really hard because I felt like a horrible mom. And even though, you know, you like your left brain, like my analytic brain was like, hey, they are, they are twins. I'm 30. I think I was 36 uh, when I, or 37 when I got them. Like, of course, my body is not perfect to hold those kids. Like, come on, I'm not going to. I'm not going to feel bad about this, but I think emotionally I was feeling awful. So that was really the second trauma. And the third trauma was just realizing that the relationship with my uh, then husband did not work. And I turned 40 and two weeks later, I found this breast tumor on my, uh, like uh, this gigantic tumor on my breast as I was crying in the shower and I'm like looking and I'm like, what is this? This is not supposed to be there. But I felt good physically. So I was like, what's going on? <laughs> um, and it's really 
fascinating how, you know, I'm becoming more and more spiritual because I do believe that there is something bigger than us. And at that moment, what I can tell you is that I was ready to hear what the situation had to teach me, right? Like, and so I had planned a trip to France because I felt very depleted and I wanted to be in France. Uh, like really it was my midlife crisis and I went to France and even though I knew I had probably a breast cancer and there I was surrounded by my family and by my friends and uh, I met a naturopath even though I had never met a naturopath in my life right I met a naturopath and then she didn't actually ask me to eat any like to take any supplement or anything we talked about the disease we talked about my mindset how I felt and she tells me, you know, you want to see the cancer not as your enemy, but as a friend that's here to teach you something. And once you're ready, it's going to leave like any good friend. And at the time, that was, you know, when there's a light bulb and you're changing your life, that was it. Because suddenly, even as a physician, you know, as I'm like, because I'm a physician at heart, I love what I do. I'm very passionate. And that's the reason I left corporate medicine, because I believe that there's better, bigger for our patients. Like they deserve better. I, as a patient, deserve the best. And as a physician, I deserve to give the best to my patients. And seeing the disease, not as an enemy, but as a friend who's here to teach you something was huge to me because instead of being in a fighting mode against the cancer, I was in a healing mode with the cancer. And I was like, okay, what can I learn from this? What is there? How can I heal myself? This cancer is here to teach me something. No matter where this goes, I'm going to learn something. And I had to come with the fact that maybe I was going to die. Uh, that was awful, but it was also not that awful. I don't know how to explain this, but at one point, you're just coming to terms with the fact that this is not something like we are all going to die. So this is not something that I have any control over. The only thing I can control is, can I take my medications the medication that are offered by, you know, Western medicine? And is there anything that I can do that are Eastern principles? So I did a lot of meditation. I did a lot of visualization. I did some affirmation. I did a ton of coaching. I did energy healing. Uh, I did some massage, like cranial psychotherapy. I did some lymphatic drainage. I basically like threw myself into this healing and I started talking to my, my body and, you know, really be like, where can I be? Where, what is needed? Like, what do you need? What does my body need? Um, and I started healing and, uh, Fast forward, I think the first, the second PET scan was clear of all disease. Like it was, you know, I think uh, like several weeks after and I had started the work, which is like, you know, I had started to see like, what do I want in life? What, what is really important in my life? And uh, if you talk to patients with cancer, they all tell you that they learn a ton for that cancer. Um, it's very rare that some of them are like, whatever. Uh, and And I think... You know, it's it's a very traumatic, uh, traumatic uh, wake up call, but it is a wake up call. And thanks to it, I was able to heal the relationship I had with my kids because I felt so guilty before, guilty to the point that I was willing to let go. Right. And to be like, OK, I'm going to let go of this life because I feel so guilty. 
and then, you know, re recreate a relationship with them. And now I feel that I have a wonderful relationship with my kids. I love them. I love being around them, which was not the case when they were small because I felt guilty. Um, and, uh, and then, you know, I have a wonderful relationship uh, with my partner and wonderful relationship with my friends. And really like the last piece was to create this direct care practice um, and the reason I created a direct care practice is that I realized I was like, well, yes, it's going to not be available to everyone. Uh, I, you know, I, I believe that medicine should be available to everyone. Everything should be free. Right. The problem is that that's not the society we live in. And so then I have to pay for the bills for my kids. I have to pay for the bills for the house and so on. And so then you're like, okay, how can I make this practice offer the best of me, but at the same time, still be happy with what I have, like make sure that my tank, my own tank is filled. Uh, and so I just came across direct care practitioners. Uh, so the DPC movement, as they call it. And so what they do, what we do is that we basically say the relationship is direct with the patient. It is, there is no insurance involved between the connection of the patient and me. And what it does is that we don't have to do numbers. We have a set price and then you get to see your patients as often as needed be. And I'm texting my patients. They text me like the other day, my one of my patients had a sinusitis. She's texting me. She's saying, hey, I'm holding the uh, biology that I'm on and I'm absolutely let me know how you're doing. They know I'm here. And so their care is better. And I, and I can see it already. And I have not, I think I have open it will be one month in like a couple of days. And I'm already seeing the difference of care that we're offering because it's a better care. Like it's, it's uh, just more compassionate, but so, you know, it's so short and I know that I've talked a lot, but this is like a short version of my story. Uh, and I'm, I'm happy to dig, to dig more deep into any details, but, uh, I'm I'm grateful. I can tell you, I'm, I'm so grateful for what life has given me. Because every single trauma was a, a way for me to learn more. And the stage four, so it was metastatic to the liver and to the bone. And although it is scary, it was, and it still is, right? Um, what we can say is that there is always hope. And there, there is always, always hope. And the medicine in 2023 are unbelievable. Um, the Western medicine is incredibly powerful and we have ways to be the master, like the, 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 we have ways to be empowered through Eastern medicine principle. And I think what you do, uh, Rachel is a wonderful work. And I can tell you that that was part of my healing as well. So, yeah. Yeah. You mentioned you had um, done some cranial sacral therapy and that, for people that maybe are familiar with that myofascial release is somewhat in a similar realm. So some people maybe haven't had myofascial release, but have received cranial sacral. So it feels kind of similar. Um, yeah. And you know, it's amazing. Our bodies are so amazing and modern medicine is needed for a lot of things, but there's a lot that it just doesn't en encompass, you know, the whole person and for various reasons, but our bodies are amazing and what they can do. They, they want to heal if we can provide them with the proper foundation to do that in the right environment. 
a lot of things are possible. I mean, I've seen amazing things just from in my own practice with people that I work with that have been to every doctor and they've had every procedure and they've had all of these things done. And then they come to see me and, you know, they've spent a couple of hours with me and it's their lives are changed. And that's like, that's incredible. Like, I feel so happy for them, but also I feel really sad that they have spent so many years chasing a solution that they're never going to get from modern medicine. And it's just sad that there's not more of a a bridge between everything, but I also understand why. I mean, I don't accept insurance either. And it's, I get calls all the time. Do you accept insurance? No, I, I don't because people don't realize that there's a lot of red tape to go through and a lot of hoops to jump through and patients aren't getting the proper care always with insurance because insurance doesn't want to pay anything. Yeah. And so when we, when we self-pay our own things, we really do have like a, a healing, like we've, we're empowered. We have taken that step to help ourselves. And I think that that also is really powerful when we just, you know, we decide that there is something else out there for us. So, yeah. Absolutely. No, I think that that's exactly right. <laughs> There's so much red tape with insurance. Like we have to remember insurances are there to make a profit. Right. And the only way they make a profit is by refusing treatment. And, you know, I, I mean, you know, the premiums that we pay, that's how they make money. If your premiums are going to actually pay for your health, they're not making a profit. Right. <laughs> and their CEOs are making billions, not millions, billions. Uh, so, yeah, no, I'm with you. And And talking about the bridge, that's exactly what my rheumatology practice is about. So the, the whole... My whole vision actually is to create a center of hope where there will be both healing energy as well as Western medicine, as well as movement and how to learn uh, about uh, diet, like not diet, nutrition, uh, like what's better. And to really be in a place where you feel like you're healing. I don't think right now when you go to a hospital system, you feel like you're healing. <laughs> I think the physician themselves are burnout for the most part. I think that then you have nurse practitioner and physician assistant that are trying to help. So we're trying to remove the load from the physician. But what it does is that the relationship of the patient is broken because then suddenly I, I've, I've experienced it. Suddenly you're not seeing your patient anymore. It's someone else that's seeing your patient. And anyway, when they are sick, they're coming back to you. So you're only seeing the worst patient, the worst in the sense of the most, uh, the, the sickest yeah. And so you don't have that time to create this relationship with your patient. And, and anyway, the nurse practitioner and physician assistant, I'm only giving them another three years before they are burnt out themselves because that's how insurance works. They want you to see, uh, like, you know, you have to, in order to be paid, you have to see a ton of patients. Yeah. Uh, and I just, I don't think that this is viable in the long term. And so I've, I personally see the direct care movement, the self-pay movement, um, the movement that's going to be the future because suddenly, it, well, you know, finally you can see your dog and know that this is for this amount of money, you get seen as many times as you need yeah. uh, in, uh, in your office. Uh, and, uh, or, you know, you, you know how many times you're going to see and uh, need the myofascial release and so on. So, yeah, I'm, I'm all about bridges. I think, uh, putting the Eastern medicine and Western medicine. Why should just, why should we just choose one when there's two? <laughs> right. 
Yeah. I mean, one has been working for a long time before, yes. you know, the other. So it's like, why not blend them together? And, you know, I guess I also look at it as, you know, in traditional medical settings, the physician is only with the patient, maybe 10, 15 minutes. Imagine what you're doing, you know, in an hour or, or longer or whatever. I don't know what your sessions or your setup looks like, but you know, I see patients one-on-one for an hour and that really like, there's a lot that happens in an hour. You know, people tell you more of their life story, you know, than 15 minutes where you can't really hear about the things that really are important that are affecting them like currently. So, um, yeah, just, I think it's, it's wonderful to have that, that one-on-one. Um, what type of patients are you seeing in your practice? No. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, thank you for asking this question. So I love rheumatology, but rheumatology is not a, a term that a lot of people know about. But basically, when you think of uh, rheumatology, it's you have to think of joint, but also as like the whole system, everything, inflammation. So there is three types of patients that we see. There is the patients who are sort of severe. They have fever of unknown origin. They have... Uh, um, joint pain that's inflammatory. They have skin rashes and the dermatologist might be like, hey, you should see a rheumatologist. Uh, They have maybe some nerve involvements. I think the neurologist is like, hey, maybe you want to see a rheumatologist. So there's like one third that are pretty sick. And I I love coming in because I get them from sick to absolutely close to normal, you know, (laughs) or normal. Uh, So that's the first part. The second part are like, Patients with rheumatologic conditions, such as rheumatoid arthritis, lupus, ankylosing spondylitis. So, right, once you've made a diagnosis and what, like you get them to full, what I call remission with treatment. So, meaning you're in remission, you're having a fully, completely normal life. You don't remember over your condition. The only time you remember about your condition is when you're taking your medication. That's it. And so that's wonderful as well. That's when Western medicine really can help, right? Like with my Western medicine, I get you to food remission. And the last third is fibromyalgia, uh, post-COVID syndrome, because fibromyalgia can be associated. So it's chronic, it's a chronic pain. It's basically when we don't see any rheumatologic condition. And if you were to be touched, you would have pain, you know, on top and below, uh, and what we found is that there's a lot of patients with fibromyalgia who actually have loss of the nerve ending, and that can be associated with rheumatologic disorder. So we want to see those patients as well. And then finally, we have post-COVID because COVID can lead to a lot of rheumatologic condition. Um, so you may know about the POTS, uh, like autonomic uh, dysfunction. So when you know when you get up. Uh, instead of having your heart rate go up, it goes down. So you're feeling completely exhausted. Uh, And then when you're doing exercise, your heart rate is completely out of whack. So instead of helping you, it's like, nope, I cannot do anything. (laughs) So you're like completely exhausted. Uh, So I I see this mostly to make sure that there's no rheumatologic condition because COVID is clearly linked to more COVID, uh, rheumatologic conditions. So we've seen that you can develop rheumatoid arthritis, you can develop lupus, you can develop psoriatic arthritis and so on. Um, and the list is non-exhaustive. So uh, patients who have joint pain uh, or who just feel like, I don't know what's going on. This hasn't, you know, I'm not normal. I'm not like I used to be before COVID. I like to see them because we find ways to make you feel better. So that those are like my three big ones. So yeah. Yeah. 
you said, just to be clear, you said COVID, post-COVID. Post-COVID, yeah. 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 You know, I see a lot of that too. And it's been interesting in the last couple of years, just what has come about with that. And it's, you know, a learning, it's learning. No one really knows. There's, you know, we'll know more probably in a few years, but it is so fascinating the types of things that are happening with people's bodies post COVID. And it's just, it's wild. I see, I see it all the time. And I treat the, the most difficult things, you know, things like we don't really know, but we're, you know, we just try and, and people get a lot of relief, you know, with the the yes. therapy, but it's, wow. Yeah. Yeah. And <laughs> you know, I can talk about, I can talk about this because we're talking about bridging uh, things and I think that that's really important. So everything, none of this is medical advice because, you know, we have to have a relationship one-on-one, but I do want to share this. Even though in post in COVID, there's a lot that we do not know. There are things that we do know and that I'm not sure your physician have had the time to teach you or even look at. And I have looked at them because I'm a scientist and I wanted to look at it. Uh, because I use them, right? Meditation decreases the inflammation, like big time, not small time, big time. And so if you start meditating, so I think the studies are 20 minutes, but I'll tell you, like you can do 10 minutes of meditation and then 10 minutes uh, visualization, but you've got to do 20 minutes of something that's going to decrease your heart rate and ground you. But meditation decreases the inflammation, Um, meditation can help with patients with rheumatoid arthritis, uh, lupus, and so on. There are studies that are super well done. Uh, So that's like super important to realize, take the time to heal yourself by meditating. Take the time to heal yourself by visualizing. So you don't necessarily realize it, but every day that you're feeling crappy or not great or and that you're like getting angry at your body for not being the way it used to be when it was five years old, (laughs) you know, realize that visualization, like you're actually visualizing, you're looking at your body, not in a perfect space, start visualizing in a way where your body is perfect. What does perfection means to you? For me, it was climbing. For me, it is still climbing. I want to be able to climb. I, I love climbing. And when I was climbing, undergoing chemo, I will tell you that that was probably the power, the most powerful visualization because I was visualizing myself climbing through chemo. I mean, how powerful is that? Well, visualization has been studied. Uh, and I'll tell you that just for example, in rheumatoid arthritis, we know that people who visualize themselves healthy or visualize something going down their joints, healing them, they don't need as much medication than the other patients. I mean, how powerful is that? So that's why I recommend 10 minutes meditation, 10 minutes visualization. There's also some studies about affirmation. So you can look at that as well. Exercise is helpful and there is studies behind this. So realize that everything that when 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 uh, someone like Rachel is telling you myofascial release does help it helps <laughs> if you if you are experiencing it it's because it does help uh and so you know if you were uh if you were in uh, Colorado in Denver area I would for sure come and see you because I know it helps and there are studies maybe not exactly in myofascial release although I have not looked I bet there are um, but there are studies behind all of the modalities. I think then it it comes as what is it like with which practitioner do you have the best relationship and what works the best for you? So yeah, there are studies, a lot of yeah. studies. 
That's beautiful. I love that you talked about um, the meditation and the visualization. I think those are so important for healing and, and just meditation is great, you know, and, and visualizing our body to do what it's meant to do. And I learned somewhere through my myofascial journey, um, someone told me, and it really stuck with me of like setting a goal for yourself and our typical response to like, I want I want to be able to climb pain-free or something. But instead of using the word pain-free, using a different word, like not focusing on the pain or focusing on the problem, we tend to focus, I want to be cancer-free instead of, you know, focusing on, I, you know, I want to climb healthy. I want to be healthy when I'm climbing. I want to, you know, be able to walk comfortably 10 minutes or whatever. And just that mindset of changing those words, I really do think it changes our brain and, you know, reprograms it a bit to think differently. Um, I'm, I feel like a lot of people can benefit from that mind body connection and, and kind of having a different mindset. I think that that really does a lot for healing. Um, do you see that with the, like with the patients that you're working to, with as well? Like mindset is a big component. All of the time, all yeah. of the time. And that was that was probably the one thing that made me pushed me towards doing on average MDs in rheumatology because I started realizing I needed uh, you know the one hour or the full 30 minutes talking about this. Mm-hmm. Uh you know, like what I saw, for example, were some patients who had seen 10 of a rheumatologist, and, and I'm not kidding, like 10. And none of, like, they, they did not go into remission. So they were still with joint pain, swelling. And, and I really love rheumatology because we can get our patients to full remission. Like, I really will continue to say this. And I'm not happy until there's only one joint that's painful or swollen. Like, that's all I allow my patients. Like, you know, if it's more than that, then I'm not happy. Sometimes my patients are happy and I'm like, you cannot be happy. This is not enough. <laughs> but um, uh, I mean, they can still be happy, but you know, we can aim for better. Um, and I see that all of the time. So this, for example, some of those patients we, who had like, you know, seven or 10 of a rheumatologist in the past, no one had taken the time. I, I almost want to say like the moment you had seen that they had seen another rheumatologist, I, I would bet that the next rheumatologist was like, well, there's nothing I can do for this patient because, you know, yeah. she's already failed so many rheumatologists. Yeah. But the truth is that I would take the time and be like, hey, like, can you do this homework? So I would call them homework. I was like, I wanted to start thinking of what has this, so in, for example, rheumatoid arthritis, what has rheumatoid arthritis brought to you? What has it brought to you? Is there anything positive out of this, right? And then here is what I'm recommending in terms of treatment. I think we should do this medication because I love it. You haven't tried it. Or, you know, maybe we should try to reconsider that other medication that you haven't tried it. And then start meditating, start visualizing that this medication is actually going to work. And what does health looks to you, right? Mm-hmm. And it's not being painful. What does health looks to you? What will you do that you cannot do right now that you want to do? Like maybe it's traveling and so on. And I cannot tell you the number of time my patients come back. First of all, this is the first time that they respond to treatment. Second of all, it's the first time that they tolerate the treatment uh, and so on. And they are in full remission, full remission. And this is like so wonderful to see because you're like, wow, you know, we just had to take the time. They had to do the homework, right? Like, so one patient came and said, 
I had never realized like rheumatoid arthritis brought to me. I realized that I only had one life. So I had to start my practice. Like they created a, um, a company. I had to start my company. I started traveling. And because I, I my suspicion and my, my hypothesis, let's put it that way, is that because you finally see what this condition is bringing to you, you can let go of it because you have that final realization. Oh, I'm able to do this. I'm able to do that. And then you don't have to hold on to the condition anymore and you can let it go. You know, as a researcher who does a lot of evidence-based medicine, I was shocked by how common this mind-body connection is needed in our healing. And those, you know, like most of our patients are doing very, very well with medication, right? And um, like very, very well. But the, the small percentage that's not, it was almost always through mind-body connection that we got them to let go of their condition. And yes, my medications, I mean, I call them mine, right? Like my Western medication are amazing, yeah. but I think they had to let go of or, or realize what those conditions were bringing to them. Yeah, yeah. Do you think that people tend to identify with the labels that they're given? Absolutely. I mean, this is like, that's a big thing that's very different from France or maybe at least when, when I was trained in France and the U.S. In the U.S., people love labels, love them. Yeah. And uh, and it's actually a little bit weird for me as a physician because I'm like, what's the point of a label? Because that's not as important as feeling better, right? Like, or, you know. Um, but patients love them and in rheumatology it's tricky because sometimes you may put a label, but you have to be very open-minded about the fact that that label may change with time. And so at that, you know, at time zero or time one, you may have certain symptoms, but they might change. And then, you know, something that looks like rheumatoid arthritis is actually lupus or something that looks like rheumatoid arthritis is actually psoriatic arthritis and so on. It happens all of the time. I mean, not that often, but like pretty regularly. And I, I'm okay with putting labels because I think, well, insurance are asking us that, like what's the, you know, the diagnosis. But I think also it allows patients to be like, okay, this is what I have. I'm going to start reading about all of this. And the truth is that if I put a label of rheumatoid arthritis, or if I put a label of, you know, undifferentiated connective tissue disorder, there's more information about rheumatoid arthritis and all of the information in rheumatoid arthritis is good for UCTD anyway. So it doesn't really matter to me. I think that it's important for the patient to be empowered. But I always tell them, hey, we're calling you like this, but it might change in time, you know, depending on how you're presenting. And my goal is for you to never present anything else. So, you know, <laughs> we'll, we'll keep it like that. Yeah. But yeah. Wow. I I love what you're doing. I think that just sounds so great. I wish there were more people out there like that, you know, that you're, you're just helping people in a different way. And I, I, I work with people like that all the time, you know, people that are looking for that, that holistic approach or that more all encompassing approach. But, um, you know, I can only do so much. So it's sometimes it's nice to have that there's other people out there that are pioneering the way, you know, so that's, that's beautiful. I think that there's a lot that can be done when we connect the dots together. It's not an either or all the time. So that's great. Um, do you have any tips or suggestions for people to um, 
live with more of a connection to their body to have that more mind body awareness to start their healing? Is there something that you share with your patients? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I have many, <laughs> but I think that the the one that's uh, that came uh, first when you asked me that question was this. I think as as patients, we tend to think that our body has failed us, and we have to reframe this. So I see my body as a bunch of kids. <laughs> it's really cute. I see all my cells as kids that are trying the best to make myself work. Right, and so. If we start seeing ourselves or a bunch of kids, I see my brain, you know, my, my consciousness as a way to educate my kids. And so being self-compassionate towards my body is literally what has helped me the most. And realizing that our body are trying the best is really wonderful. So instead of being like upset about like, look, I have this pain. This is so annoying. And you know, the truth is pain can get you very angry. That's normal. Don't feel bad about it. Right. Like just being kind and be like, yes, you are living with pain. This is so annoying. And it's so nagging. And, and yes, you're going to be angry. And you know what? It's okay. It's okay to be angry. Write all of your anger in a journal. Be compassionate to your body because your body is trying its best and try to listen to what it has to say. And I think during the session of myofascial release, craniosacral therapy, or so on, you can really get into a connection with your body and trying to listen to what it has to say, what, what they have to say. What are the cells telling you? What are they teaching you? And, and just being that presence of, I mean, our bodies are so wonderful, right? Like, I mean, it's so incredibly well done that we just have to be grateful for the fact that, yeah, it is super well done, not comparing ourselves to anyone else and just be like, okay, what can my body do? What can I, what can I do for my body? And it's funny when you start thinking that you start realizing that all the things that you're eating are not necessarily good for your body. So you can make better choice for your body. And so like do more exercise for your body and so on. And I think that that's what I, I'm going to leave you with that, which is like being self-compassionate to your body also allows you to being empowered for things to do so that you can heal your body. Yeah. Oh, I love that. That's, that's a good one. Thank you. Yeah, <laughs> it's true. We have to have compassion. There's yeah, that's, that's wonderful. Compassion will get us a long way for ourselves. Yeah. And I've done a lot with my own, like my own body work and receiving and finding, you know, peeling back the layers and noticing what it's underneath the layers. And then like looking at that with more compassion, like, oh, that's what that is. Okay. And just kind of having that awareness and um, able to change the story a little bit about, you know, what, what the old meaning was that I had behind it. And I can have a a different meaning now or, or look at it differently anyway. So yeah, thank you. Oh, well, this has been wonderful. Uh, I really appreciate you jumping on and talking with me today. Do you have anything else you'd like to share? Where can people find you if they're in Colorado or if they want to come visit you or where are you living? Yeah. Well, thank you so much for having me. It's it's really such a pleasure. And 
to me, this is so important that we bridge the two words. So I, I am so grateful that you had me on your on your podcast. And um, you can. So first of all, uh, the last the last piece is just yeah, be compassionate and and realize that there is help out there. Uh, that we are a lot um, out there, and there's always someone that can help you. So don't give up. Always have hope. Uh, and whether it's myofascial release or chronological therapy or something else, it doesn't matter. There are people who can help you. Um, and if it's a rheumatologic condition, and if you're in the Colorado area, or actually, or if you're in Wisconsin or Michigan, since I have those licenses as well, I would be happy to see you. We see patients in telehealth, uh, so video and in person in Denver. Um, uh, you can find more at onabridgedmd.com. You can email us at uh, info at onabridgedmd.com. And uh, we have a podcast, onabridgedmd. And uh, we talk about all health and we bridge all those words as well. Uh, and um, yeah, I mean, if you are looking for a rheumatologist uh, that's going to get you to full remission using principle of what, like using Eastern principle as well as what the Western world has to offer us, I am she. So don't hesitate to contact us at info at onabridgedmd.com. Perfect. Well, I will link all of that in the show notes. That way, if anyone has any questions or they want to look you up, they can. And maybe they know someone in your area or looking for help themselves. So thank you so much again for being here today. I really appreciate it. Yeah, we'll see you next time on another episode. Thanks for listening to Return to Ease. Before you go, show some love for this podcast by leaving a review. I'd love to hear from you and stay tuned for the next episode.